Right, can you hear the fan? I don't think so. Yeah, well, I'll turn it off anyway. I don't know. I'd worry about you sweltering now. You don't need to worry about it. I'm fine. <laughs> he says with the croakiest voice imaginable. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to draw attention to it. I, I didn't. Uh, uh, no, no, of course we're going to draw attention to it. Yes, so yes. Apologies. Apologies. Yay. I knew you were going to jump in uh, about my voice, peeps. I've, uh, I'm, I'm still getting over COVID and, and sinusitis and all fun stuff like that, but it's made me sound a little bit croaky. Uh, as Rob said, it sounds like his impression of me. He hasn't got a new, better co-host. It's still me. One can dream. Are you going to bark all day? This is a tasty burger. I am just a figment of your imagination. Here's Johnny. You are a sad, strange little man. These guys will have it. Don't fail me again. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Popcorn Bucket Podcast with Rob and Rods from Monsters, Inc. This is a regular look at the wonderful world of films, <laughs> film franchises and film nonsense. How long are you sitting on that? As soon as I heard your voice. <laughs> I had to Google to find out what, it, what the lady oh, was called. watching. <laughs> this week is a one-shot episode where we pick a topic and choose a standalone film to discuss with full spoilers, which isn't connected to a sequel, spin-off or prequel, and hope that the other hasn't picked it and that we've chosen wisely and uniquely. This week, the random popcorn maker of film topics has popped up a listener suggestion from Rose, which is live-action Disney remakes. And fair warning, as always, Ben tends to swear a lot. So if you come to this from like a hashtag and think, oh, that sounds a nice wholesome thing about Disney, Ben will swear. Can't. You sound sad now with our voice. Oh, thanks, man. You sound like more anguished. Good. <laughs> good, good thing I'm not going to talk for a while, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, so thank you, Rose, uh, for the suggestion. We always welcome listener suggestions. And this was a this was a good one. It was. So, Rob, before we start, mate, we've got the business of the Tombly Cruise one shot to deal with. Indeed. So we had our sort of Tom Cruise season of the Mission Impossible films, and we did a one shot with film starring Tom Cruise. Ben went for Edge of Tomorrow, and I went for A Few Good Men. And the Instagram poll result was fifty six forty four percent in favour of Edge of Tomorrow. Oh. Ooh. Ooh, that was close. Last time I saw it, it was 60-40 in your favour. Yeah. Damn. Team Ben coming through again. Team Ben is, is uh, I mean, we might do a roundup at the end of the year, but you, I think you're pretty on the up and up. It's a good yeah. film at Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. One of my favourite things is naming them, like, Ben of Tomorrow, a few good robs. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what um, Rick and Morty do. They there. do. Uh, yeah, I, and I, I like it. Yeah, well, a, a few good Ben, if we'd chosen the other I know, films. I know, uh, It was right there. It was. And Edge of Rob Morrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's what I would have gone with. That's the thing. I'm not the professional that you are. No. You'll learn, kid. You'll learn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Well, I, I, I feel that that was, that was definitely a close one thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. It was two very good films. We'd make a good double bill. Yeah. But, you know, hashtag Team Ben coming through again. Indeed. Thanks, peeps. The little Benyons. <laughs> so, if I remember correctly, I'm going first this time. Indeed you are. So, I mean, do we do like a general live-action Disney kind of thing, or do I just leap straight into the whole thing? I don't know. I mean, I think in the last decade or so, decade and a half, um, there have been an increasing amount of live-action Disney remakes of films that were popular when we were, young, we were younger. So there's quite a few to choose from. Yeah. Yeah, and it's weird because they, some of them especially, have made a lot of money at the box office. Yes. And that's one of the things where I feel really disconnected with general audiences. Because at no point did I go, do you know what, I really want to see that again, but kind of shoddier. It, it, it's a it's a it's a strange one, um, the live action films because often there's almost beat for beat. Yeah, and and you know what else are they going to do? I get it, but it's like it's it's weird to me that they are as popular as they are. But then when I think about it logically, people our age 
are parents and yep. they want to share with their kids the same sort of thing that they had when they were kids. So, you know, it's kind of like a, a passing the torch type deal. So, you know, that was my Lion King. This is your Lion King. Yeah, I, th- um, I, th- I think so. I mean, there's always been remakes in Hollywood. I think the first remake yeah. was in like 1928 of a, a remake of a film that came out in 1927, or possibly even earlier than that, actually. Yeah, I think they made it like two weeks after the first one. They're just like, oh, remake it. Yeah. Oh, no. And, and remakes aren't a bad thing in general. And I, I, I think when it comes to what separates a good remake uh, to, from a bad one is is kind of like if they've gone at it from a new angle or if they've got something else to say or maybe there was an idea that didn't quite come together at the start and then the remake sort of goes in and fixes that. There are certain ones that are just beat for beat kind of things and I, I do yeah. find those pointless because you then get then get the sort of almost uncanny effect where you get the new bits and they really, really stick out from the rest of the movie. Um, so like Lion King, for example, I hope you haven't picked Lion King. There's that Beyonce song in there. Yeah. Which just really, really stuck out to me as, as a thing because I, was, I knew the others very, very well. And then it was like, oh, I'm not sure if I like that. And I'm still not sure if I like it. But it kind of it kind of separates it from from the rest of it for me. But then there are kids watching it who will that will be their their liking. That will be their version. Possibly, so, I, I I don't know. Well, maybe I, I don't know, man. Like when it comes to sort of older films, maybe older animated films, maybe kids just don't have the attention span that they once did. I think there definitely is an element of that that like a lot of the not necessarily like the original Lion King, but a lot of the um, really I say really early, but the. Uh, the sort of the animated Disney films of like um, Snow White or th- that sort of, that sort of era, they're a lot slower paced than the films of mm. the day, like a like a Frozen or Mo- or a Moana. As um, you know, I, I love the film Moana. For me, it's what it's a top Disney film, um, mm. but a lot more happens in them than it does. L- like we were saying with the Mission Impossible films, that um, the first one is quite sedate when compared to later ones and compared to films of today. Because I guess tastes change. Well, yeah, I mean, look at something like Bambi. Yeah. Bambi takes forever yeah. because it goes through all the seasons. It goes through all the kind of things. You have slow fades opening and closing pretty much every scene. And it, it just, it, it it goes on for ages. Whereas, yeah, something like Moana is a good example because that there's always something moving yeah. with Moana. It, it's just constantly plowing ahead. So I don't know. I don't know where I stand on the whole thing, but I I will say, which I don't think is too much of a spoiler, I haven't been a huge fan of the live action Disney stuff. There's, I'm I like the one I've gone for, and I think there's another one I'm quite fond of, and I'd watch again. That there are some elements where I think they do stand out, um, but I've heard I don't know whether it's true. So with a huge caveat, of I don't know whether it's true. <laughs> In some in in some ways, these things are always being remade because Disney already owned the IP and they've already paid for the story, so they don't need to pay anyone else again to to come up with a new story set in, you say, The Lion King, um, and to sort of you know you don't need to remake rewrite The Lion King because they've already got the story written. I mean, I guess one would one would imagine that that actually like CGIing photorealistic animals is the actual expensive part of that, though, right? Yeah, yeah, but the IP and the, the brand recognition is already there. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It Normally it comes down to some sort of bean counting somewhere. I wouldn't be shocked. And I know it's not a controversial opinion. I know this is actually pretty a usual opinion. But I, I think that the sort of live-action Disney kind of things at the moment, uh, there, there are a few good ones in there, which I hope we'll discuss. But, um, but I think it reminds me of when Disney were churning out direct-to-video sequels. Yes, yeah, I can see that, yeah. It, it's sort of like, here's the thing you like, but shitter. And, yeah, look, I know that's not the searing intellectual analysis that you normally come to this podcast for, listeners, but it, I can't think of a better way to put it. I, I think it, it. a lot of them, they do seem to sort of miss the point by by just retelling the same story. And often I find that I miss the old animation because it's more expressive and whatever, you know, it's, it's more, there's more going on. You can do more with animation. I, yes, 
I, yeah, I agree with you to a point. There are some, certainly some of the computer animated bits in these new films are, are quite spectacular with just because what you can do with with things now. And it's, mm. Yeah, um, I think some, some some of the animation was cutting edge at, at the time, but some of the stuff that, some of the stuff in the films now does look really good and is quite impressive. And you know the way the way music and things is done now is great. In in some ways, it, it is impressive. In other ways, I know that that is more likely to date. You know, if you watch that in ten years, the CGI Lion King will be will look a lot rougher than the animated Lion King. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it, it it's almost like when it's like retro gaming and stuff like that. If you look at something from like the N sixty four days or early PlayStation, they look rough as assholes. Yeah. Whereas something on like the Super Nintendo or or the Sega Mega Drive Genesis, if you're not in the UK. Because that's pixel art, that's sort of kind of evergreen, that doesn't yeah. age. Whereas these sort of early 3D models that we have from, yeah, Nintendo 64 games and and uh, early PlayStation look awful. It, they just haven't aged very well. So maybe it's, it's a stylistic thing as well. But anyway, that's enough talking about that shit. It's time for my choice, mate. Flush from the win... That you didn't that I know got you last time that I didn't know I had, but now I'm G'd up, man. I've got Indeed. the energy. I may not have the voice, but I got the spirit, son. I will admit I was going to get a bit chin strokey on this one, um, but availability was once again the pine cone in the metaphorical anus. Um, Sorry, what? There's a lot to unpick there. <laughs> what? As one would from a pine cone. I'm just making up metaphors, man. Just yeah, roll with it. Yeah, so I couldn't get hold of this movie in time. Okay, but I wanted I wanted to I wanted to give it a shout out because I remember it traumatizing me. So Disney did a live action Jungle Book in the early nineties. Oh, okay, that would have been chin strikey. Yeah, um, and I can't remember too much about it, but it was a big Indiana Jones ripoff. All right. They had lots of sort of jungle traps and things like that in it, and I remember, I remember uh, people getting uh, people getting crushed, and I think people dying via quicksand. But that isn't on uh, quicksand. Was terrifying when we were children. Yeah, I know. Um, but in the world of Norfolk, I never came across any. But but yeah, and and I I remember seeing that. So I must have been seven, eight, uh, hmm. seeing that in the cinema. And it's not available on Disney Plus. Nope. How and and the DVD is quite hard to come by as well. I think it's your second disappointment with what's not on Disney Plus because I know you're gutted the song, the song of the South isn't on there. I tell you what though, in all honesty, I am curious to see it because I've been on Smash Mountain, um, and I I want to see kind of how how bad it is. You know, I mean, there are certain things that that certain elements of other films that have not aged well. Yeah. Um, but Song of the South, the, the, that seems to be the sort of Disney have put their foot down and aren't going to lift it up anytime soon. And and I, I, it's kind of got that forbidden fruit angle. I'll probably be bored silly by it and probably go, yeah, this is rightfully consigned to this sort of Disney dustbin, but I kind of want to see it. I remember being advertised on, on uh, VHS, yeah, the Disney classic, Song yes, of the South. Yeah. But I guess that was the last time that it was deemed acceptable. So you say that in jest, like I'm a big old racist, but actually but I actually, do kind yes. of want to see it. <laughs> actually, I am a massive racist and I do want to see it. I want something to that plays to my sensibilities. So, yes, so the the, the 1994 live-action Jungle Book thing was going to be my chin stroke thing. Okay. It had been a, aha, but it's not that. Okay. Because I couldn't get that. Well, there we are. So, I've gone for something which you may have gone for, but we'll see. Yeah, I feel we need like almost like a sound effect for if if we've gone for the same film to press, like a klaxon, <laughs> like a big old fart noise, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> or a klaxon. I'll I'll go through the sound effects. So, I have gone for Pete's Dragon. Oh, okay. You have not gone for. I that, have not so gone for that now. Okay. So we'll leave the klaxon back in its its klaxon box. Well, what will it be? That will be the mystery. That will keep them hooked for the next one shot. 
Well, it's good because I want to keep up my winning streak, and yeah. you can't win if you pick the same film. That's true. So, no, it's just a popularity contest. Yeah, I know, and I'm good at those. That is true. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, I went Pete's Dragon. Have you seen the remake of Pete's Dragon? Yes, I haven't. Cool. Have you seen the original Pete's Dragon? I don't remember. I don't think so. Okay. So this is this is going to be this is going to be great. Yeah. Because I won't have to explain much. What? Well, no, I don't. Um, I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. I, I was being sarcastic. Oh, okay. That may not come through with it, my it, strange voice. It doesn't come through with your new voice. Can uh, you sing Smelly Cat at the voice. end as well? I hope this is not my new voice. Holy shit. So. Well, I do know it's a 2016 fantasy adventure film directed by David Lowry. Yeah, I know. Stop. Written by Lowry. IMDb again. Stop it. Director of The Green Knight. Okay. Mm. And he's doing another Disney. He's doing Peter Pan and Wendy next because uh, Disney saw a cut of Pete's Dragon and signed him onto their live action Peter Pan so they were impressed with what they saw well I, I do know this is one that's thought of quite well it, it, like people sort of tend, tend to say what you said at the beginning about it uh, the live action ones not being particularly worthwhile except Pete's Dragon well yeah and I, I think the thing is I mean the, the basic story is there's a kid and Pete, and he's got a dragon. Yeah, yep. Don't know if you, but in the original, he's a he's an orphan who is with a bad uh, foster family who want to put him to work on the farm, and he escapes to the woods, and he comes across an invisible dragon, or he already knows this invisible dragon. Uh, so it's a giant dragon that can turn invisible, and in the original, he's sort of animated over the top, so it is like the bit in Mary Poppins where they go into the painting. It's the same basic kind of thing. So a lot of traditional animation kind of interacting with live action stuff. I've never been a huge fan of the original. I, it, looking at the sort of context of the historical context of where it where it falls in the sort of Disney canon and everything like that, I think this was them going through the motions. And and so, you know, they it was a musical because none of the songs are particularly great. There's even like a, an Oscar bait song called like Candle on the River or something, which is clearly the sort of give us awards song, but it didn't, it didn't get the Oscar. I don't know. There's, there's just something that doesn't work about it for me. About, about the, the original. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Well, I wouldn't be talking about the remake otherwise. And you know, there, there, there are kind of charming things in it, but, you know, I think this is the way to do a remake. So the remake of Pete's Dragon, 2016 Pete's Dragon, directed by who, Rob? The guy who directed Green Knight, who's signed up to direct Peter Pan and Wendy. That's David Lowry. David Lowry. Screenplay yeah. by David Lowry and Toby Holbrooks. Thank you. Stop. <laughs> Starring. Bryce Dallas Howard, Oakes, Fegley, Wes Bentley, Carl Urban, Una Lawrence and Robert Redford. Great first name. Indeed. Bobby T. Bedford. It's 103 minutes long. Yeah, all right, mate. All right. <laughs> Put a lid on it. Put it back in your little fact box. <laughs> so. Should have said fact file, but you know. Right. So, this movie, I think, takes the correct kind of thing because it, it looks at the original movie and, and goes, you know what? We're going to take some things from that, but we're going to go our own way with it. And and as I said, I don't think the original is some unassailable classic. I'm sure it has its fans, but I just I've I've never never really got on with it in the way that I did with like Mary Poppins or Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Pete's Dragon, kind of instead of uh, Orphan Pete running into the woods and his horrible family talking about coming that they need him to come back, but then they're also talking about how they're going to punish him and cook him and eat him and all this is it's wank in this one this starts with a lovely scene where they're driving kind of next to the woods it's it's pete with his little book which is called elliot gets lost or something like that and he's and his parents and then the car crashes and he's the only survivor okay and he runs into the woods to avoid wolves and there's proper jeopardy here like it, it feels it feels dark and scary. And then 
there's some kind of invisible force, there's some kind of fuming that comes out of the forest and uh, and it makes itself visible, scares off the wolves, and it's a giant green furry dragon that sort of understands him. And and then we cut to like six years later, so he's been in the woods for six years, just palling around with the dragon he calls Elliot because Elliot is the name of the puppy in the book he was reading. So that's it. And Bryce Dallas Howard is uh, is a ranger of the woods. She is engaged to Wes Bentley's character, Jack, I believe his name is. Um, and then Jack has got a brother, played by Carl Urban. And so, and they they've got like a logging thing. It's a it's a mill town. It's it's a it's a mountain town. What accent is Carl Urban doing? Um, sort of American. I mean, not not his Billy Butcher diabolical <laughs> uh, kind of thing. But uh, he doesn't he doesn't speak that much. Uh, but he's he's kind of the antagonist of the whole thing. And uh, Bobby Bedford plays uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's father. And he is an old carpenter who tells tall stories of the time that he got lost in the woods and he met a dragon. So it all goes, it all goes through, you know, it all goes kind of on. You kind of get the feeling you, you probably know basically where the story is going. But what I like about it is that I think they did a fantastic job with Elliot the dragon himself. Because, like in the original, he doesn't talk, but he makes himself known through noises. And they make him, they kind of give him the, the old kind of how to train your dragon toothless treatment. So he's like a big cat slash dog. And there's one bit where he picks up a huge log and is walking through the forest and can't get past two trees. And you know knocks against it a couple of times and then turns his head while still holding the log and goes through. So there's a lot of adorable animal type stuff there. But what I love about it is that, and I say this quite a bit about this movies, but this movie has heart and it, it kind of navigates some kind of trite kind of things of like Pete himself being found in the woods and then Bryce Ellis Howard and, and, her family sort of wanting to adopt him and him becoming, you know, it's it's kind of like the Jungle Book in the way yeah. it's sort of Mowgli, you know, kind of whatever. But I suppose the central conceit, the central kind of thing, Pete being separated from Elliot the Dragon and and how they cope with being on their own. And Gavin, I think, is Carl Evans' character. Let me just check that. Uh, Gavin, his name is Gavin. He ends up hunting the dragon. He actually sees the dragon and he ends up hunting uh, it across the sort of forest. And as I said, he's the antagonist, but kind of not really. He's he's not doing it because he hates animals. He's not doing it because whatever. He's just a bit misguided. And and when the chips are down, he does actually, he is actually there for his brother and his brother's family, extended family. So... I think all the performances are really, really good. I think Carl Irvin is great. I think Wes Bentley, I mentioned him being kind of like a douchey type character, mostly. Um, but he's actually just a nice guy in this one. Bryce Dallas Howard is really, really good. I like I like her character and I like her relationship with her dad, Robert Redford. But I think the, the sort of biggest success of the movie is actually the kid. Well, actually the two kids. But Pete himself, Oaks Fegley, it's got to be tough acting against nothing. We've seen this before, you know, dealing with effects and things like that. Or Orlando and, yeah, and you look at something like the original Pete's Dragon, and it's got that sort of, because it was 1977, it's got that kind of precocious Disney kid performance, you know, and, and you know, there's clearly a disconnect there, whereas... I don't know, man. I believe this kid had a dragon. And and a lot of it is kind of just through not much dialogue. And and it's so it's on his performance and the effects. And both work really, really well together. And it's a genuinely, genuinely lovely relationship that they have. 
That's good because it is difficult. Yeah, sometimes with these uh, sort of big CGI things, is they don't they don't look like they're there. It, it looks yeah. like a cartoon. It doesn't look tangible. Yeah, and despite the being a huge dragon with green fur and everything like that, they actually do a really good job of sort of grounding it in the scene. Um, and and there are bits where he's like he's bounding around the forest and you know disturbing things because I think that's one of the one of the sort of cheat sheets, isn't it? Is to have it interact with something. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like Tom Cruise in Rogue Nation. They got to have it interact with the thing, otherwise it's all CGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Natalie is uh, Jack's daughter, Una Lawrence, and Una Lawrence is really, really good as well. She's, you know, she's the kind of quote unquote normal kid who first sees Pete, sort of all dishevelled and you know, long hair and kind of just like a feral child uh, running out the woods, and and her relationship with Pete is really nice as well. It avoids being saccharine at pretty much every point. This is like the indiest mainstream kids movie since like Where the Wild Things Are. It's kind of got that sensibility. It's got the sweeping shots of the forest. It's got a very, you know, kind of strummy, one vocalist guitar type soundtrack. You know, there are no sort of like, there's no pop song to tie in with the movie okay. or anything. That is, odd. that is unusual. Yeah, it kind of, it grounds the whole thing and it, has, it feels kind of like a throwback in a, in a lot of ways. What it reminds me of, especially especially as more people learn of Elliot, it reminds me a little bit of uh, specifically the BBC series of Five Children and It. Yes. Did you ever watch that? Yeah, uh, yes, I can't remember that clearly. I remember enjoying no. it with Sam yeah. Yad. Yes, and and the fact that they would, you know, it was like a secret that they all shared and they would go to, to I didn't he live on the beach? I can't remember. They went to a secluded place to talk to him and, and shit like that. And, and, and that's the kind of feeling I get from this movie. And there's, there's lots of little bits of sort of DNA in there. There's quite a bit of never-ending story in there as well. I mean, if you're not reminded of... of Falcor when when Pete is on the dragon's back and they're flying through the air and he's gripping onto the fur. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. That's never-ending story, and that's not a bad thing. It just it taps into that same sort of that kid kind of thing. And I I think I would have absolutely flipped my lid over this film as a kid because it kind of has all the kind of things that I like the sort of sympathetic adults, the 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 giant creature that only you have a bond with yeah that sort of abandon that sort of you know like he's like a tarzan child just like swinging from branches and whatever they just have a ton of fun and whatever like it's all great and even even carl urban who's sort of the bad guy i said they don't make him just like oh he's an industrialist and you know, he just wants the forest cut down and whatever the, them kind of there is an environmental message to the whole thing because they're going deeper and deeper into the woods and that's kind of why they discover Pete and eventually Elliot because they've gone just that deep into the woods because they've logged the rest of it and whatever but that's almost treated as like a necessary evil of the business almost like it's more to do with with the fact that Gavin is just kind of he hasn't really he hasn't got the full picture. He doesn't see like Robert Redford says when when he tells the actual story of when he met the dragon, rather than the tall tale uh, that he tells the sort of town's kids. He says that you know he raised his gun to it because he was hunting, but he felt that there was just a magic there. There was just a, a, a magic that kind of made him stop, and so they both just like sat and stared at each other. And and I think I think this film does actually a good job of sort of expressing that. You can see what people see in this this creature. You can see you can see that it it's not just broad strokes. These are the good guys. That's the bad guy. They got to save the you know it's it's not ET. It's not kind of whatever. Not that there's anything bad with that. It's just we've seen it a lot. I think there there are there are more and more shades of grey in this film. And as I said, it feels at times it could be a proper sort of indie drama. There's a bit where 
Pete is taken into hospital by Bryce Dallas Howard and he wakes up in the bed and he's, he's got a hospital gown on and everything and he escapes from the hospital and just kind of runs down the street. And because it's like, you know, your typical American mountain town, you know, the, the sort of place that um, Rambo was in in First Blood, him running down the street, that could be after like, in an indie movie, that would be him trying to run away from the sadness of his parents dying, or something like that. It could have easily been in a in a in a in a intimate drama that was made for about an eighth of the total budget of the movie. And that's what I like about it. It doesn't have that sort of Disney sheen. It doesn't have this sort of, as I said, the saccharine stuff, the trappings of let's just make this like everything else. It genuinely feels like a proper version of what Pete's Dragon should have been. Okay. And and that's why I like it. Because it took something um, and improved on it rather than took something and remade it shot for shot. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, Steven Soderbergh had a whole thing when he had, he had a state of cinema speech where he talked about, you know, the best remix would be sort of taking something that didn't quite work and yes. seeing if you can yeah, make yeah. it work for yourself. But because the people who make decisions and have the money in Hollywood, they don't know movies. So it's just that was famous, remake that. Whereas this this is exactly the sort of thing that Disney should be doing. They've got the I mean, look at all the stuff they added to Disney Plus. All the all the stuff I didn't even know existed from like you know, the the 50s onwards all these kind of weird kind of films you're telling me that you you couldn't make a decent modern film out of any of those well they rather could, than they, they could remake black hole what but yeah but then i saw that lilo and stitch the live action lilo and stitch is getting as has a director now and i'm just thinking i've got socks older than that goddamn film like there's and, and i don't i don't see how that will have the same impact as the as the traditionally animated one does. I really don't. And and so they need to go back into their back catalogue and, and look at kind of things that, that could potentially work. But hell, it's working for them at the moment, going back and, and you know, they're going to remake Hercules and Robin Hood and Peter Pan and all these. And uh, people will get sick of it eventually. Uh, and I don't want to be down on it. I don't like not liking Disney. It, it, it's it's something which I, I I do it has always fascinated me. And I like this sort of history of the company and and things behind it. I like the history of the parks. I, I I like it as a thing, but the live action stuff just feels quite lazy to me. But as they're, as they're doing that, they are you know Mary Poppins Returns was arguably a live action remake, and that was fantastic and. You know, as he said, and I've said, I think I prefer the original Mary Poppins. And, they, and in terms of their sort of um, animated stuff, at the moment they're releasing uh, this, a, a real you know, killer lineup of films. You've had, you know, Frozen, Moana, Frozen too less so maybe, but um, Ray and the Last Dragon, um, oh, uh, Encanto. So yeah, are, I mean, their animated films are, 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 are Zootopia or Zootropolis, whatever we call it. Um, their animated animated films are top notch. Yeah, I guess it's just another string to their bow. It's just another revenue stream. Oh, it's definitely a revenue stream. Um, and they're doing another. They're doing a sequel to Enchanted, which is you know that was a good live action and animated film in places, mm. um, in places where it's animated. Sorry, um, <laughs> it's. It, I guess it would be more possibly more interesting creatively if they took like. I mean, you said the Robin Hood one that you uh, where, we, where we talked about Robin Hood, the animated film that you didn't really feel it had as much love as some of something like an Aladdin or a Lion King. Yeah, um, it m- might be more interesting if they went back and yeah remade some of the less less well known, less popular Fox and the Hound maybe, as traumatizing yeah. another generation. Yeah, I mean, you may as well. I mean, maybe um, it'd be interesting to see what you could do with Fantasia. Yeah, because that was showing off the sort of uh, what they could do with animation to show what you can do with CG now. Yeah, I just don't. I, I, I mean, look, as with always, it's the same with when we talk about franchise fatigue. It depends who's doing it and why. Hmm. You know, it 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 lives or dies on that. I can't see me enjoying 
this sort of live action Disney's Hercules as much as I enjoy the animated one. Yeah. And and often not because of nostalgia, but often I think just in general, the animated ones tend to have a better story focus and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff that the sort of live action one doesn't. But hopefully, Bob, you have picked something that doesn't follow that. And you've picked something one that you actually really liked. Well, I have picked one I really liked, but I've more, I've picked one that is more it's it's one of the it definitely falls under the shot for shot re- remake of a um of an animated film okay um, i i want to try what sort of trying to because as, as you often say it's difficult going second um so i almost trying to second guess what you've got for. i wondered if you'd gone for um the the jungle book but the more recent one with bill murray yeah um one. sorry yeah John John Favre, yes, yes. Yeah, 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 Sorry, yeah. My, my voice does cut out occasionally, and that's not a connection thing. That's a larynx thing. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, the John Favreau Jungle Book, which I enjoyed. I think I'm yet to see that. I wasn't going to go for The Lion King because that one really did feel if we swapped one animation for another. Um, yeah, well, it's it's not live action, is it? No, no, no. It's no. not live action. It looks and it looks incredibly impressive. Yeah. But just it's not live action; it's computer animation. Yeah, but then arguably most most films are these days. I think it's some something that technically any superhero film could be uh, uh, nominated for best animated film yeah. at the Oscars because the amount yeah. of CG in it. Yeah, um, true. I thought we we're going for Aladdin because I've I, I saw it once and I enjoyed it. Um, and enjoyed the songs and what they did with the, sort of the the genie. Although that was quite cool. But I've gone for 2017's Beauty and the Beast. It's a tale as old as time. Indeed it is. It's a tale as old as time based on a 1756 fairy tale. Um, So Beauty and the Beast was directed by Bill Condon, uh, who also directed Mr. Holmes, which is a really good film, uh, The Great Sherman, which is not, and The Twilight (laughs) Finale. Um, Obviously it's a remake of the 1991 animated film, also called Beauty and the Beast. It stars Emma Watson, Dan Stevens, Luke Evans, Josh Gad, Kevin Klein, Ewan McGregor, Emma Thompson, uh, Guggen Bethel Raw, and Ian McKellen. The plot from the back of the IMDb. <laughs> a selfish prince is cursed to become a monster for the rest of his life unless he learns to fall in love with a beautiful young woman he keeps prisoner. Yeah, that's, that's very concise. So I remember seeing the, uh, the, anim- the, the 1991 animated film. I remember seeing that elements of that on, on something like Blue Peter sort of showing how impressive it was because there was a bit where um, Belle and the Beast are dancing where in anima- it's animated but it's sort of pe- the camera pans around them which hadn't been done before oh yeah isn't it like a CGI ballroom yeah it was almost like one of the first ones they did I think yeah I think they trotted that out for damn near every Disney movie around that time because I, I think I said uh, previously I remember the the uh, a Lion King one where they were talking about the herd of wildebeest. Yes. And how that yeah, was yeah, yeah. And also Aladdin when uh, he's escaping from the Cave of Wonders okay. and uh, and they're on the carpet and the sort of lava flow and everything. Uh, that's all CG. But yeah, I mean, and but that is unlike those. I mean, I suppose you could argue that the Lion King sort of wildebeest stampede is pretty iconic, but that sort of sweeping shot of the ballroom in the original is pretty fucking iconic. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, this follows uh, Emma Watson as the uh, belle or the beauty of the film, um, who is a bit of an outcast in her village. Uh, she... <laughs> I thought you were going to say a bit of an alcoholic. <laughs> no, sorry. Um, the, 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 the villagers have an entire song. The entire, the entire village comes out to sing how weird she is because she, because she can read. Yeah. Um, in, the, in this one, in this, uh, I guess to compare to, in this one, she has more, a bit more agency. She, she's, she's the inventor rather than just her father, who's, who's Kevin Klein in this, um, and she, she sort of invented this washing machine, which the villagers don't like, and she's trying to teach children to read or girls to read, which they don't like. They say we already have one girl in this village that can read. That's enough. Um, Damn right. And. Her, through a series of events, her father is. Uh, imprisoned by a beast who lives in a castle um, is, is holed up in a castle he's been cursed because he was selfish when he was younger and his serving staff have been cursed to be 
animated objects. Um, a, clock, a talking clock, a talking candlestick, a talking teapot, etc. Um, so Belle goes to rescue her father, rescue her father and, agree, and takes his place. And the curses, um, the curse will last for as long as an enchanted rose has petals. And when the last petal from the rose falls, then the, the curse will never be lifted, condemning the beast and his uh, staff to live as, as they are forever, or the staff to turn in back to turn into objects completely. So just solid objects. Mm. Um, unless the beast learns to love something other than himself. So spoilers, uh, he and Belle eventually fall in love and the curse is lifted and everyone lives happily ever after. And in the, uh, alongside this, there is Gaston in the village who is a brute and he wants to marry Belle and so, uh, he's, he's quite boorish and once then he ends up fighting with the beast to sort of try and save Belle as he's saying, or, but more of himself. And that is the plot of Beauty and the Beast in a nutshell. Uh, so, I think this film this film starts with a uh, a different Disney castle, which is the cursed castle of the Beast, which is good. Um, I almost think this film has been made with one eye on the internet over the intervening thirty odd years of um, of since since the animated film was released by kind of almost filling in holes as to. Uh, why people of the same age? Why nobody around them seems to uh, seems to remember? Because there's like a forgetful curse. The, it's made all the villagers forget uh, that, that there was a castle nearby and stuff, which that mm. isn't really explained in the animated one. But did it need to be? That's why I said with an eye on the internet, because nowadays, you know, people pick at the slightest thing and, well, and use it as evidence as to why the film doesn't make sense. People don't know what fucking plot holes are anymore. Yeah, it's, it's just they they kind of pick at stuff and and whatever, and it it, it is uh, sometimes it's just economics of storytelling. Yeah, it was exactly. Sometimes it's just like we didn't explain that because that would have been boring. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I, that would have it would have taken twenty minutes to explain this sort of thing. Whereas if we just left it to the viewer's imagination, or you know, just left it unanswered, then you know. What's the harm in that? No, I, I agree. I think it, it is it is one of those kind of things. Because I know it's... Because I, I have seen this one. I was concerned you were going to pick one that I haven't actually seen. Okay. I've seen the original. But uh, no, I've seen both of this one. And they, they kind of... I always hated the uh, Stockholm Syndrome reading of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And... I believe that doesn't the live action one pretty much go out of its way to try and make it not that? Well, yes. Yeah. It says, so I've got something on that. It says, uh, before signing on to the film, Emma Watson studied whether Belle is trapped in an abusive relationship. And she concluded that she does not think the criticism fits this version of the fairy tale because she says that Belle actively argues and disagrees with the beast constantly. And she doesn't have any characteristics of the summer Stockholm syndrome because she keeps her independence and she keeps freedom of thought. And she uh, defiantly gives as good as she gets before forming a friendship and eventual romance with the Beast. Yeah, I mean, but I, yeah, I don't think, as I said, I don't think the original animated thing fits the Stockholm Syndrome thing either. I, that's that's a very specific thing. But, you know, it, again, it's that sort of that sort of surface level. Oh, it's Stockholm Syndrome. You know, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a shit reading. Do better, film analysts. Carry on, Rob. Um, so this this is almost a. I'm sure someone somewhere on YouTube has done a side by side of all the shots. I mean, I think this is about 25 minutes longer than the animated film because there's a couple of extra songs. There's a trip back in time to Paris, a plague-ridden Paris, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff where you know the songs are the same, the music arrangement is the same. So I think it plays a lot on familiarity of the animated film. I think it works. I think it's a nice uh, a nice you know, remake of the animated film, which is a version of the 18th century fairy tale. Originally, was my favorite song. Yeah, this film, um, my, my my absolute favorite is uh, the Gaston song. Which... <laughs> no one fights like Gaston. No one bites like Gaston. But, but yeah, it's great. It's brilliant. It's it's, it's funny. It's um, 
<laughs> I always love the line, I'm especially good at expect or raising. Um, I, I, I like it that uh, towards the end of the song, he says, no one makes up endless refrains like Gaston. <laughs> um, it also led to one of my favourite tweets, which is, no one tweets like Gaston, and then it's been quote retweeted. So quote retweets like Gaston, and then takes a screenshot so they can subtweet like Gaston. Oh yeah, that was yeah that that was clever. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll find that and I'll share that if I if I remember. Um, yeah, we'll put it on the thingy. What what I like about the, that song in particular, I, I was going to answer because that that's my absolute favourite song. I do think the villains have the best songs really, because um, mm. Kill the Beast is quite a good song as well. Um, it's got like a driving yeah chant, I guess. But um, what I like about the uh, Gaston the song is um, the relationship between uh, Gaston and LeFou. Uh, Gaston played by Luke Evans um, and LeFou played by Josh Gad. Um, LeFou is kind of uh, almost toadies up to him for, for throughout, the, throughout the whole film. He changes towards the end more so than in the animated one, I think. But when he's... Because he's the one who starts the song to kind of big Gaston up after Bella's rejected him. He he! In the background, you see him going around the pub, giving people gold to join in with the song and and the dancing. So almost right. that he knows Gaston isn't nice, and he knows that he to to sort of to do this to 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 um uh to bolster as he says, no one's as easy to bolster as you. Um, he has to pay people off to do it so that they'll join in, which I found right. that quite interesting. Yeah, it's going to take. It's 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 kind of it's it's quite subtle as he's doing it. Occasionally, you hear the clink of a coin, but yeah, the, 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 yeah, he sort of goes around all all the different people he goes to. He gives them a coin before they join in the song. Hmm. I quite liked I quite liked him being just low people actually really liking Gaston though. Okay. Like like him being almost like the classic hero, the classic Prince Charming. Well, in in another film, he would be. Um, yeah. Yeah, he because he, he is the, the you know um, the, roughly the size yeah, of a barge. Sorry. Yeah, you you have those you you have those three women who are fawning, and they're all hotter than Bell. Sorry, I put that back in the box. Well, three... Bell was always my favorite Disney princess because she read. You could have a decent conversation with Bell, couldn't you? Yeah. Whereas Ariel, she was just, just like she she doesn't know anything of the world, and she was half a fish. I know. Well, not the end. Spoilers. But you know you'd have to explain shit to her, whereas Belle you could have a proper conversation, and you'd be like, "Have you read?" And she'd be like, "Yeah, I have." But you love mansplaining. Do I? Yeah, mansplaining. So, what would your favorite song be? Um, the Gaston one is good. I, I think that that's one of my favorites. Be our guest is yes, is 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 the other classic from this. Yeah, I mean, I and I never I never really liked Taylor's Oldest Time, Beauty and the Beast that. Because I think is it just called is it just called Beauty and the Beast? I don't That's know. I, I I don't know whether it is. I, I think it's Taylor's Daughter's Time. All right, but because isn't it Angela Lansbury in both? Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, in this one. Yeah. No, no, it's Emma Thompson. Oh shit! Okay. Now Angela Lansbury is in Mary Poppins Returns, I think. Yes, I I never really liked that as a kid. I always felt that was a slow one. Whereas things like the Gaston song, Be Our Guest. Um, Killer Beast, you know, those, those were all kind of, they had more punch. They were more like, oh, yes. Whereas now I kind of, I really appreciate the sort of... The slower ones. Yeah, the nice melody yeah. of that, the, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I, that's good. But I think probably just because of its bombast and pomp and circumstance, be our guest, is, is pretty hard to beat. Excellently uh, parodied in The Simpsons. Yes, see my vest. See my vest made of real gorilla chest, <laughs> and these gophers made from loafers. <laughs> yeah, like my loafers, former gophers. Oh. It was that, or skin my shoofers. <laughs> but yeah, um, so be our guest in in this, where the cutlery, well, want to feed Belle, despite what the beast has said when she's first imprisoned in his castle. They put on this fantastic show um, of like dancing plates and, and things and all the food they can make while singing Be Our Guest. Side note, Ewan McGregor was married to a French lady and he's doing a French accent throughout this. Um, but he had to read up his words because he felt that he sounded like he was doing a Mexican accent. 
when I said at the top that you can do a lot more with CG these days than you could with hand-drawn animation or uh, that sort of animation style, this is one of the ones I'd... Um, the, the Be Our Guest in this one is fantastic. Well, yeah, I think it goes on for a little bit longer than the um, than the animated film, but I think it's really impressive. Like there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of effects. It's it it's great. I do think it will date very quickly, as CG heavy stuff tends to do. Well, yeah, that's that's part and parcel of the whole thing, isn't it? In this film, you have the staff and um, the idea that the staff are more complicit or more blame themselves for the beast's curse that they sort of saw his. So his backstory is he was. I think he lost his mother and then he basically took after his father who was a mean man and he and the, the staff sort of saw this and didn't do anything to sort of step in and help. So because the beast grew up to be a selfish, horrible person and the staff stood there and did nothing, they kind of almost feel they deserved the curse. Right. Well, it, it, it definitely it definitely sort of answers that whole thing, doesn't it, of the animated one because you're just like, well, what did the rest of them do? Yeah. So, I mean, is it... You would, you would, you would say this is one of the better... Disney live action remakes. I simultaneously think it is one of the better ones and it is fairly unnecessary. I, I like it. I do like it. It's, it's of the live action ones. It's the one I've watched the most times. Sometimes I've, you know. Kids just on your own? Both. The kids enjoy it and it, sometimes it's a nice film to watch. I like it maybe because it's familiar, but I do I do think the effects are nice. I think the music's good. I think, I think the performance is, is nice. I think the chemistry between Belle and the Beast is brilliant. I think, you know, it, but, but some bits of... It's quite a funny film. I think the set design's nice. Like in in Bell's Village, it, it does look lived in. It doesn't look like it's just made for the film. So like her house is these faded painted flowers on the um, on the on the doorway, rather than everything looking fresh and perfect because it was just made by you know that morning for the shoot. Yeah, um, I think Luke Evans as Gaston is uh, almost steals the show. He's having a whale of a time. Hmm. I simultaneously do wonder: Did you need? Because uh, did you need to make it quite like a shot for shot? The original plan was for it to almost be more like the fairy tale, and make it darker, and sort of do for Beauty and the Beast what Maleficent did for Cinderella. Because Maleficent's a very good live-action version of a Disney cartoon, but done in a totally different angle. And I didn't pick that because I think they are doing another one. Uh, they've done they've done two so far, haven't they? Oh, okay, and that's that's why I didn't pick it because they have done another one. Then, see, side note that's that's an interesting sort of almost like offshoot yeah. of the live action Disney stuff is that the story from the villain's perspective. Well, it's like um, Wicked, isn't it? For the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and Cruella. Obviously. Yes, I, I believe, oh, I should, believe. Uh, Cruella was really good. Mm. I kind of wish done Cruella. I forgot about that. Well, it's not a remake no, of that's true. 101 Dalmatians. Yes. It's, it's, it, it is kind of a side call. Yes, that's true. Spin-off, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't really count. But those I have a lot more time for, even if they're not to my taste. Because um, it's doing something different. It's looking at it from a different point yeah, of view. exactly. Exactly. It's approaching it differently. It's going, right, this is like fairy tales should be. You know, and, and, and I think, you know, despite... A lot of these being, you know, Disney adaptations of classic fairy tales. You know, I think even the ones that were just made up by writers at Disney, they are kind of our new fairy tales. They're the new things that sort of get retold and whatever. And, and approaching it from a different angle, you can maybe, you know, discover things in it that weren't necessarily there in the beginning. Yeah, which I think is 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 good. And and yeah, Maleficent. I haven't seen the sequel. I saw the first one. No, but I have neither. I appreciated what he was doing, but then I was never a big Sleeping Beauty fan anyway. Yeah. That's more of a girl's film, yeah? I was into guy films, like Aladdin. I enjoyed, the, I enjoyed the Aladdin remake. Uh, I, I, do, I do like this one. I think, it's, I think it's a nice film. It feels less pointless than the Lion King remake. I think Emma Watson's good in it. I think she's quite funny. She turned down La La Land for this. Um, mm. And Ryan Gosling turned on this to do La La Land. Mm. Uh, and... There's a there's a bit where Belle is wearing a yellow dress and the Beast is wearing a blue suit and in La La Land they are wearing yellow and blue. Good colour combination. Yeah, it is. Aren't they opposite other on the uh, opposite each other on the colour wheel or some shit? No, oh, maybe complementary colours aren't they? Oh no, uh, that was blue and it's yellow and purple complementary colours. I don't no. know. My colour theory is is yellow and purple and blue and orange. Uh yeah, so it's in the same sort of spectrum. 
So in in the background of this, um, the there's a mad woman in the village, and it turns out that she's the enchantress who put the curse on the beast. So she's the one who lifts it at the end, and the beast is restored to his boring self, and <coughs> all the objects are restored to their former people who were uh, all sort of married to people in the village. I mean, there's a question there about like no one's aged at all. <laughs> So no one in the village and no one in the castle's aged. Yeah. Um, but the enchantress uh, watching him back is called Agatha. So it really was Agatha all along. <laughs> Did you spit then? I snorted, oh. but because of my sore throat, it it, it was probably... Uh, look, I'm especially good at expectorating. <laughs> at the at the very end, when they're when they're sort of dancing and all the villagers and all the staff are dancing, mind you. All the, if all the objects have been turned back into people, they need to go to like Disney IKEA to replace everything. Yeah. Um, Ke- Kevin is that Klein one is. Of the scenes? Well, Ke- Kevin Klein is is painting the dancing that's going on, and I, I and you sort of pan back and see his drawing. I would have loved it if you cut back and he was drawing the animated cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> but as as with as with the cartoon, the beast looks much better when he's a beast than when he's a man. Yes. Well, I always, I always found it funny in the original animated one because he's just like a '90s hunk, yeah, with, with sort of long hair and everything. Yeah, he looks much better as a beast, uh, uh, as does Dan Stevens. Don't, don't, don't uh, be dissing my boy Dan Stevens. No offense, Dan Stevens. He had to learn to waltz on stilts apparently because he is mostly him in a costume for a lot of it. Bloody hell! Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a party trick and a half. And they were really worried that they'd um, that he that. That he'd end up stepping on uh, M. Watson's feet, and that would shut down production. Yeah, Jesus, that's a hell of an ask. Yeah. I couldn't do it with my normal feet, let alone being on stilts. Could you teach me how to waltz, Ben at thepopcornbucket dot com? The ending to this originally had Gaston being cursed by the Enchantress. Right. Uh, Stanley Tucci's in it as as a piano. And I, men- I only mentioned that for two reasons. One, I'm really enjoying his uh, uh, Stanley Tucci, I think, Discovers or Finds Italy program about food. If you're not, if you're not watching that, it's really, really good. It's, it's, yeah, it, he's a very good food presenter. But also, time back to Mission Impossible. Apparently, um, Stanley Tucci is the man who gave Ving Rhames the name Ving. Oh, really? Yeah. Any more to that? Or just, he's just like, your name is Ving now? <laughs> yeah, just ran into him. I can't remember. I've, I read it. thought, oh, that was interesting. But that's where it stopped for you. You're just like, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't need to know the how and the why. Just, yeah, it's interesting. They were roommates. That was it. Because his real name is Irving. Yeah. So he shortened it to Ving. Ving is much, much cooler. Yeah. He's the only Ving I know. You know you know him? Yeah, yeah, personally. But I just I like it, the fact that Stanley Tucci gave him the nickname. Mm. Well, it's that or Irv. Yeah. Which I think people tend to, because it was a go-to, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and there was going to be a... Although people sort of um, expressed interest in a sequel. And there, there's meant to be a Disney Plus series called Little Town, which will focus on uh, Luke Evans and Josh Gad as Gaston and LeFou. But at the moment, it's uh, postponed indefinitely due to creative and scheduling issues. It was supposed to be being filmed this year. Hmm. I wonder if that will ever get made. I don't know. Because it feels like, I mean, not always, but it feels like a lot of the time you do need to sort of not necessarily strike while the iron's hot, but certainly where it's warm. It's, it's, it's a while ago now. Yeah. Five years ago or so. Ian McKellen yeah. originally turned down the voice of Cogsworth in the uh, animated film, and he regretted it, which is why he accepted the role for this uh, one. That's cool. Ian McKay. See, the funny thing is with the Beauty and the Beast remake is that I remember it annoying me because of that shit that you said at the start, that sort of one eye on the internet type thing. That sort there's of there's only a couple, I think. Apart from no, that. but it, it felt like, like you said with, and, and yes, you could argue that this is the thing, because I, I always contradict myself, but you could argue that it is a different take on something familiar, but like the LeFou kind of giving people money to sort of sing along to the Gaston song, join in and everything it's sort of like a detail that didn't need to be there oh see i, I like that i thought i thought it had something i think it tells you something about both gaston and lefou but doesn't it make 
But doesn't it make Gaston even more one-dimensional? Rather than him, I quite, I quite like the fact that the town, they were obviously wrong about the beast and, and everything, and they mm. were cheering Gaston as this amazing thing, but I like the fact that the town were as wrong as he was. Like, I like the fact that he was held up as, as the classic strong man, you know, holding up benches and, and chugging beers and all that. And, and yet, you know, he would be a classic hero, but he isn't. I kind of like that. I think the fact that they make it more explicit that he's a dick and people are only joining in to the whole thing because they're being paid. I think that sort of robs the character a little bit. Okay. In my opinion, I mean, I, I no, be- no, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, 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 I quite like that detail because also like it's quite sort of subtle and in the background. Well, I didn't remember it until you said so. That probably shows how subtle it was. Yeah, it, it yes, it it definitely it has more right to exist than some of the others that have been made and are going to be made for damn sure. But if given the choice, if someone said, "Let's watch Beauty and the Beast," would you watch the animated one or the live action one? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know because I, I, I do enjoy the uh, the live action. Probably means it's done a good job then. I think so. Because I mean, there would be no question for me if it was if it was Pete's Dragon. They're like, "Do you want to watch the shitty seventies one or the fucking dogs bollocks one from?" Who's who is asking you to watch Pete's Dragon in this way? Is it Danny Dyer? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like, all right, son, you got to watch Pete's Dragon now. Not mean. But you get to pick which one. I'd be like, I'd be like the, the the newest one, please. I, yeah, I don't know who, but I'm just I'm just saying that I think the live action one is so much better than, than yeah. the animated. Well, I think Whereas your your with, one, you're kind of like they're kind of equal. I think with the Lion King, I definitely watch the animated Lion King. Aladdin, I'd probably go the animated one, but I'd be interested to see the live action one again. I think I'd definitely go animated on Aladdin. I I. I didn't really get on with Aladdin. Okay. There were bits that I liked. That the new song was shite. Her new song in in Aladdin, I really did not like. I, I can't. Um, I can't remember. I remember visually, it looks very nice. Yeah, it does. But then it doesn't don't most things these days because of CGI. Yeah. And you know, but yeah, there was there were some things I just. For me, for it to for, for for me to pass my all important judgment and and deem it's worthy, it needs to prove that it's it's doing something with the whole thing. I think, as you said, maybe by that kind of thing, the the live action Beauty and the Beast actually does enough to sort of justify its existence. Yeah, yeah. Whereas something like The Lion King does not. Yes. And I, th- I think that's that's a fair middle ground. Yeah, that we can agree on. So, Pete's Dragon versus Beauty and the Beast. Oh, how am I going to make Pete's Dragon into your name? Ben's Dragon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not clever, but damn it, it'll do. <laughs> Which is the tagline for this podcast? Hey, hey, I I'm proud of us, dude. I think those are two good picks. Team Ben. Just don't agree with me because you like me. I love the fact that you like me, but I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you're going on the film choices. So really, sort of dig down deep. You probably have seen the Beauty and the Beast remake. You probably haven't seen the Beast Dragon remake. That is, it's on Disney Plus. But people would might, but people might like on Beast uh, Dragon more on principle. They might do. They might do. But then I slagged off the original. So maybe people, I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to fall. I think Beauty and the Beast is the more popular movie, for sure. But whether whether it's more critically popular with people, maybe, maybe you know, after all that talk about chin-stroking choices, maybe mine is kind of a chin-stroking choice. So we'll see. Pete's Dragon versus Beauty and the Beast. And that will about do it for our one-shot. Indeed. Coolio. Out your bud. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for your time. And thank you for listening. We'd love to have your feedback. 
please email podcast at the com. especially if you've got any suggestions for future one shot topics you can find us over yeah, we, on in- sorry? we love doing them yeah we love we love doing them and and yeah. love your suggestions and we like the thought that hopefully we're we're, we're doing something that you guys want to hear <laughs> you know so um and and thank you bros yes once again thank you for the, the uh, suggestion yeah that that's awesome you can find us on Instagram at Popcorn Bucket Pod or over on Twitter at Popcorn Bucket PD. If you're able to, it'd be great if you can rate the episode wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe and share. Thank you so much to Lawrence Owen of Longcat Media for the theme music. Many thanks. Take care and see you next episode. What he said. A pod as old as time. Something from Pete's Dragon. <laughs>